live from Dallas, Danny Pessy. Woo! If everyone could cheer online. Everyone give some love in the feed for Danny jumping on. Danny's been in the industry 16 years, was one of the co-founders of Knockstar University, uh, was a 300-account rep at Vivint for a decade, and then transitioned into solar when Vivint came in with Vivint Solar and has uh, absolutely blown it up in solar. Did 80 accounts his first year, um, and then his downline has done over 21 account, 2,100 accounts each year, so... Pretty lucky to have Danny on here. <laughs> Still doing karate moves. I love it, dude. I'm practicing my qigong. Qigong, dude. Pessy does things different, dude. We're so lucky to have him. Good morning. Good morning. Oh my god, my vital maniacs. How are we doing? It's your boy, Big Pess, the one and only. You can't clone me. I got a lot of haters and a lot of homies. <laughs> Let's go. You already had in the chat people were wondering how they can get I Love DP shirts. Hey, those are limited edition. You have to come to one of the events in person. So if you love DP, shoot me a message right now in the comments. Say, I love DP. I love DP. And uh, I might be willing to send you guys a uh, free DP shirt. Let's go. So uh, Danny's calling to us from, from uh, he's doing his solar setter closer tour right now and you're currently in dallas i am in dallas just finished up we had a packed house yesterday over 200 pessimaniacs we threw down it was amazing and uh this is this is not your conference we do we basically zach loves dp damn right curtis heck yeah so basically we do a uh a, a training for a two-day straight workshop where we dive into what it takes to be a successful sales rep, having the right vision, the right mindset and technique. Now the thing is, is there's a lot of really talented sales reps that get put in pos leadership positions that run teams that can sell lights out, but training is a problem that a lot of top tiered reps do because they're naturally gifted, but they have a hard time articulating it to a way that their reps can learn it, apply it and scale it. So that's why you mm. see so many of the top sales reps that can never run a team and grow a team because they can't figure out how to scale what they've been doing. Perfect example is how many championships did Michael Jordan win as a player? A ton. Six. How many, did okay. he win, how many did he win as a coach? I don't know how many. Zero. So just because you're good at it, it's tough to train it. And that's what I've really found over my years of doing this is I've really taken um, a liking to the teaching aspect and teaching people how to utilize it and taking this complicated, beautiful piece of artwork and breaking it down to systematic chunks that people can learn simply. Ragezilla, zero, 100%, exactly, zero. Zero trophies for Michael Jordan under the coach. So yeah, I'm excited to jam with you guys. We'll keep this, uh, this is gonna be uh, content heavy today so you know for you guys watching this will definitely be a good use of your time so I plan on bringing some sauce for you and uh, we've got um, you know we've got my tour coming up in Orlando Denver and Salt Lake City so if you do um, really want to take your game to the next level tickets are like cheap they're like 300 bucks it's a two-day full immersion where we're diving into the nitty-gritty of sales training it's not a one-hour pump them up uh, pump them up conference it's basically two days with a workbook and with this workbook we're literally diving in 
to fill in the blanks, Q and A's, true and false. It's the craziest thing that's ever hit the planet next to, next to the meteors from millions of years ago that killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> Danny, we love having you. Thanks for jumping on with us. Seriously, guys, if you're in one of these cities, uh, Salt Lake, Orlando, what was the other one that you said? Uh, Denver. Denver, then make sure you sign up because this content is amazing that he has lined up for the Solar Closer um, tour that he's got going on. So we're go well, we got him today. It's going to be really great because uh, Danny's going to kind of talk to us a little bit more about the systems and process that he has that has helped take his business to the next level. Obviously, coming from alarms, everyone who's come from alarms, you know, it's really sales heavy and they kind of forget about how to get glass on roof. It's not just a transaction. So maybe that'll be a good spot for us to start off. Danny, maybe you can kind of uh, break it down for us, kind of your transition from alarms to solar and then how you kind of got your pull through um, to be able to dial that in to take your career to the next level. Yeah, so dude, I started back in 08 with Jory Sullivan doing alarms. Jory's on the call right now. Jory's the homie. I have a story. I have a story for Jory here in a second. So Jory, you'll want to stay on for this one. Let me tell you. So basically in 2016, Vivint Inc. and Vivint Solar partnered up for a six month period. And during that time, they wanted to have alarm reps set appointment for solar closers. So what I would do is I'd go grab Adam Cox, who was in Victorville, California. I was down in Hollywood, Beverly Hills, in a mansion. That's where I live. I have a mansion in Beverly Hills, yes. And so I would leave. My butler would drive me up to Victorville in my Rolls Royce. It's a mile long. It's a custom-built Land Ro uh, Rolls Royce Land Rover mix. It's a hybrid of the two cars. Yes. Let's go. The, the King of England actually built it for me. God rest the Queen. <laughs> And so we'd go out to Victorville and I would go knock and I would sell two or three deals, alarms. And then, um, heck yeah, if you know about Victorville, uh, make some noise for the armpit of California. Um, we would go out and knock and then I'd, I'd text the closer, hey bro, this, these guys want solar, come in here and slap it. And so for the six months, me and my team, we'd go out there and we'd refer clients to go solar that after they bought the alarm system. So it was the infancy of the setter closer program. And then the next year, um, what ended up happening is Vivint Solar shut that, uh, shut that program down because the overrides were getting mixed up between the top guys. For some reason, Vivint Solar and Vivint Inc. could never figure it out. And so then they separated. And then basically I saw that the process worked. I knew that that process would work and so then I went out to South Carolina to Greenville and I hit up my boy, Jory Sullivan. And I'm like, Jory, hey man, I pretty much found a pretty easy system for me to get you some layups for solar deals. Um, stay ready, I'm gonna shoot you a couple bills and I want you to come slap them in for me. And so um, we went to a certain, we went to Greenville for like a month and I had Jory following me around and we ended up like installing over 30 kilowatts, not a ton, but it worked and uh, it was pretty cool to see it working. And then after that, um, I went to markets that didn't have solar. I went to like Michigan and then Louisiana. So um, back then there wasn't any solar. And then 2020 comes around and uh, I'm like, bro, 
this whole alarm thing ain't panning out because you know the the commissions went from like 800 bucks to 500 to 400 and i ended up maxing out my pay scale the last year and i did the math on everything with a team of 1250 accounts and funding 300 um basically the pay scale paid about 450 bucks a deal and i'm like dude i can't do this anymore and that's when solar started taking off like on a whole nother level and that's when i started um uh, Knockstar. So me and my boy McCarthy, we started up Knockstar and uh, we start doing all these sales trainings. And then everybody that's buying the programs are solar reps and they're dropping five, 10 K like no problem. And I'm like, dude, there's something going on here, man. This solar is, is the real deal. And so then that's when I'm like, bro, screw this whole alarm thing. Let's go all in on solar. And so I did in my first six months, I went out and sold and I sold 15 deals in my first two or three weeks. And I'm like, bro, this is sick. But what ended up happening was after I sold them, they all canceled. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I was so freaking pissed. I mean, I had a couple go through, but most of them canceled, right? And so I'm like, dude, what's going on here? And, uh, you know, I was so hyped up and so fired up. I was like, bro, I got deals just because they didn't get installed. Oh, that's the installer's fault. Screw that. I got the deals. Who cares? And uh, it ended up being like, uh, I got down after a month and I'm like, bro, I barely had any installs. And I won all these trophies and all these accolades. And I'm like, bro, this is, this is a waste of my time. What am I doing? I should go switch back to alarms because what am I doing here? Freaking selling, selling contracts but not getting installs. And uh, it felt good, but nothing was really coming of it. And I'm like, okay, bro, I got to switch some things up. And so then I started being a student, started messaging all my boys and seeing what's happened. And the biggest mistake that I got was I was um, going in there selling too hard on emotions and selling it like an alarm system without switching a few things around to balance it. Because solar is much more of a logical sale. You still need emotion to get them to make a decision but you have to really get them involved with the logic side so that your clients end up sticking rather than waking up the next day when the high comes down and they check their inbox and there's a loan from Mosaic or whatever per partner that you do for 50,000 bucks and they're like, shoot, dude, honey, what did we get into yesterday? Like, Pessy put, like, when you get good, dude, you end up putting spells on people. Like, literally, they can do anything that you want them, like, with, you got, understand, like, you're going to people's houses, you're getting their social security numbers, you're getting their checking accounts within an hour, like, bro, what the hell just happened? So when you wham bam them, they wake up the next day, they're like, bro, what happened? So essentially, there's some things that I switched in my presentation to get more glass on roof. And although selling big volumes cool, but you only get paid when the panels hit the roof. So realistically, you'd have to have the fine balance of bringing enough, enough points and having enough like logic to get them to go forward with it. And so instead of just bulldozing these clients, I started to slow down and spread out some of my techniques so that I could realistically get more glass on roof. And then when mm -hmm. I figured that out, um, I ended up selling like uh, 80 in that six months and ended up absolutely crushing it. And then after I made those small adjustments, everything went to roof. And then uh, basically now full-time training and I get about two to three referrals on, on the side every month. And uh, that's been a lot of fun just having a little extra side income coming in 
and uh, then been full out training on the techniques that I've learned. And now that I'm on this tour, I'm traveling around to these different markets and I'm seeing what the top reps do. So I'm taking my perfect presentation and adding in little nuggets from the top guys that are out there doing it 24 seven and it's been really awesome. So what I do is I take what they do and I figure out the fundamentals and that's what I'm teaching on because unfortunately not everybody can sell like a Ricardo Ricky who sold 575 deals last year. Not everybody can sell like a Luke Ward. Not everybody could sell like these guys that are selling hundreds of accounts. But when you take the stuff off and bringing it down to the fundamentals, that's what I'm teaching on. And so, what are some alarm people? What are some alarm people should know when solar and considering switching to solar? So right now, I don't know if there's many alarm people left. So if they are, like, dude, like I bless your heart, but man, I was a die-hard like alarm guy. Um, and yeah, I had a question, so I'm gonna answer it real quick. But yeah, man, like if you're switching industries, the biggest thing that I had is I had an emotional connection to the product and service I was selling. And it prevented me from innovating. And the hard part is, is with me, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life after high school. Like, I, I didn't know what career path. I wanted to be a comic and do an improv comedy. And so I obviously wasn't very funny and didn't have much of a future in doing that because there's no money in comedy, right? And so unless you're hitting it big. And so then alarms realistically saved my life. Like I was able to make six figures at like 19, 20 years old. I was able to build a team. I was able to buy my own stuff. So literally like I was so thankful because of this product and service that I learned. And uh, it was so hard for me to switch because I was so good at alarms. I was literally the white Shaquille O'Neal at alarms. Like, bro, I was just sh shacking it up. So, you know. So the thing is, is uh, yeah, uh, Mo, Mo's talking about how I uh, how I wore like a vivid panel around my neck. It was fun. Yeah, we did that at the all the year end kickoff parties. I'd wear a big bling bling panel that we sold. So that was that was <laughs> the good awesome. time. So so basically, I had this emotional connection to this product and service I had. And what I didn't realize is because I had that connection at being so good at something, I was afraid to go try something new. And so my advice would be is stick to your North Star and find out where you want to go in your life, but don't get attached to the specifics. If I hadn't a switch to solar, I would have still been peddling alarm systems. I wouldn't have been able to buy multiple real estate companies or properties. I have a couple properties now in my portfolio. I've been investing into companies, crypto, all these things. I started up my consulting business. Like my life is literally turned around because I let go of what I thought was my purpose in life and found something new and went really into something bigger. And that was, uh, you know, solar. Cause the thing is, is like solar makes sense. If you're selling this or you're selling solar right now, guys, I was backstage with the Wolf of Wall Street at an event I had in Den uh, Dallas. And what Belfort was telling me is, he's like, Pessy, dude, I don't, I don't get it. Like you guys, the numbers make sense. It's good for the customer. It's good for the it's good for the sales rep, and it's good for the planet. Like those three things align. Like I don't understand how you guys aren't just selling the crap out of this thing. It makes total sense. So that's why it's like, dude, the numbers stick out. They're already paying for the utility company. They switch to solar. It's a no brainer. Like why do you guys don't need to complicate this? Like dude, it's it's a no brainer. Just go and do it. And I was like, that was geez. a pretty good impression. That was awesome, <laughs> right? And I'm like, wow, you're, you know what, Jordan, you're right. And then, uh, you know, he, he got up and left with three women. So 
It was, dude, it was uh, pretty cool to like talk to him and, and see that because having someone that I look up to, Belfort, like one of the best trainers of all time, talk about the validity behind your product and service, that really like made me feel good about what I'm doing. So that's the thing, dude. And so, oh, dude, what's up, Condor? Appreciate the love, man. Hey, uh, Valoesia likes my Jordan Belford, my, my Jordan Belford impression. Guys, the straight line <laughs> persuasion, the straight line. If you're going to sell, you got to sell on a straight line. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. If you're not doing the straight line, you're dying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to know my good money. Ah. Daniel, so let's jump back in a little bit. Cause I wanted to help you. Cause you, you have so much good stuff to like jump into. I wanted to kind of focus a little bit. Cause we were talking earlier about your example of, the emotional sell, how sometimes yeah. you get people to sign, you bulldoze them over, and then the next day they wake up and they cancel on you. Yeah. And so you're talking about, you gave a good example in our kind of interview before this, so it was one-on-one about like the analogy with the, with the World Cup. Maybe kind of jump into that, that'd be awesome. Okay, so here's, here's, here's how I break it down, guys. Go in the comments right now and tell me who won the World Cup. If you're watching this right now, who won the World Cup Okay, this is a, this is I'm teeing this up for you. Who won the World Cup? Okay. Now, why did they win the World Cup? Who won the World Cup and why did they win it? Okay, so if you're watching this, guys, this isn't television. I can see you on here. Okay, Argentina. Right. Perfect. So Argentina world won the World Cup. Why did Argentina win the World Cup? They won the World Cup. Because they scored more points than France. The Yankees, oh, get him out of here. The Yankees did not, oh, we got a, we got a knucklehead in here. Ethan John, get him out. Oh, man, who let the pest control guys in here? <laughs> so, the reason why Argentina won the World Cup is because they stored more goals, Right? They scored more goals, and so in life, anytime you score more points than your competitor, you will win. Is that a fair assessment? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. So if you have more points, you're going to win the game. So what's the difference between a soccer match and a sales presentation? You have your points, and your clients have their points. Your points are get them to go solar. Their points are to prevent from going solar. They want safety. They don't want financial security. They want to be safe, okay? So the thing is, they're going to have points that they're going to bring up to keep them where they're at, okay? People are creatures of habit and understand that they would rather play it safe than take the risk of financial reward in the future. Because realistically, guys, most people we talk to have $1,000 to $2,000 in their checking account. And when they go sign up for a loan and they wake up the next day and see that they have a loan for fifty dollars to $100,000 and they go check their account and then they have $2,000, bro, they're going to freak out and they're going to be like, what did I get myself into? So the big thing you have to remember is when you're going into this presentation, you have to score more points than your client. Now, here's what happens, okay? This is, the di this is the disconnect, is you go in and you score one or two muff points to get the client to either do a site survey or to just sign docs, and hopefully it sticks. Now, here's the difference when it comes to getting glass on the roof. You're doing just enough to get them to sign, but the problem is you need to do just 
over enough to get the glass on the roof. So what does that mean? If you only beat them by two points, they're gonna wake up the next day and they're still gonna have resentment and they're gonna think that their points were good enough. Oh, the ref cheated me. Oh, the game was unfair. Forget it, I'm canceling, okay? How you get the glass on the roof is you bring up so many dang points and so much urgency that they have no question in their mind who the winner was. If France and Argentina went to penalty kicks in the end of the game and the ref made a call, France is going to think that they won, but the ref cheated them. And so they're going to hold this resentment and want to rematch. So that's what's happening in our sales presentations is we're not dropping enough heat and dropping enough points to get them to just tap out and be like, bro, you smoked me. So what does it look like to get glass on the roof? You have to dominate your customer with more points than they can even imagine so that they're not waking up the next day and thinking that there was any chance that their points were close enough to yours. Okay? Oh, I love that. Even if the refs were on France's side and did everything they could to stop Argentina, if Argentina scored 10 to 15 more goals in France, there's no question who won. So that's where you need to be at in your sales presentation. So if you are sitting across the table from somebody, you need to be thinking, how can you bring up more points than they have and just brush them down with so many logical points that no way they're going to think they have any chance at their points sticking it to you. So that's why when you're going in there, don't be lazy and just do enough points to barely get the W because they're going to wake up the next day and want to rematch. Mm, I love that. Like the say, like you were talking earlier about like, don't be lazy and just sell on savings. There's way more points to bring up to like, it's not just like they sign, but like get them to across the finish line. Yeah. It's awesome. So, so guys, you want to know what a common theme is? I'm noticing when I'm interviewing all the top closers across the country and putting them on stage at my event, you know what they're doing? What? They're selling the highest PPWs. They're making full margin on all their deals. They are not dropping their pants. Nobody is bringing their PPW down. Because guys, if you're watching this and taking notes, I hope you are. Two things are going to happen in your presentation. Either you're going to, two things are going to happen in your career. Either you're going to have to sell on value or drop your price. You're going to have to increase your skill set or drop your PPW. That's it. 100%. You either mm. increase your skill set or you drop your PPW. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you think that you can survive in today's marketplace with the same skill set without getting new information, awesome. Enjoy the customers telling you they need to think about it. And the worst part about it is you drive through a neighborhood that you knocked on someone's door and got to the finish line and couldn't lock them down and then you see someone else sold them with glass on the roof. That's going to be a reminder for the next 25 years that you couldn't lock that deal down. Fire. And oh. that is going to piss you off more than the five or 10 grand you would have made on the deal. It is going to sting you more when you go through neighborhoods and you didn't lock that client down. Because guess what, guys? These top reps, they're not selling on savings. You're missing the point. If you're selling on savings, you're missing the true intrinsic value of solar panels. And oh man. That that is the reason why a lot of reps are struggling because they think it's a price thing. It's not. You're not building enough value. You're not taking time to study. 
You wake up, you roll out of bed, you hopefully go find a lay down and you're depending on the discount that they're getting on their utility bill to be enough to get them to go forward. Mm, that's great. So talk a little bit more about that with building value. I know we talked earlier about urgency and building pain a little bit about ways to build value because obviously a sale doesn't go through unless you've built enough urgency and enough pain. Yeah. Break it down for us a little bit uh, more um, to like, cut, just break it, put us in the weeds a little bit about how you build value. Yeah, so right now I'm gonna do this. Oh, give me a second. So we talked about Argentina, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah, let's go. Here we go. We got Pessy, AKA the Solar Messy. So right now, <laughs> what does Messi do? He's got skill sets. Why is he the best player in the world? Why? Okay, I got this shirt in Buenos Aires during the World Cup. Holla at your boy. Why? Why is Messi the best player? Is because he's polished. You see the skill set and you see the maneuvers that he does on the field. Do you think he's pulling those tricks out for the first time when he's on the field? Absolutely not. No. So he's practiced, drilled, and rehearsed his moves. What are your moves in solar? What are they? So your job... As a solar professional, is you have to have your moves planned out. So when a customer goes this way, you hit them that way. So how to build value in your presentation is you need to list five points of pain on why people need to switch from the grid to solar. You need to have five points minimum stories that you can reiterate at any time to tell your clients why they should go solar. Now the key is telling stories through a third party. So I always have a name list and at my conference we train on how to effectively use a name list so it doesn't look like you're telling customers to go solar. You utilize your neighbors to use solar by giving them a name list and saying, hey, here's all the reasons why these guys did it. Each person on this name list is another story on why people have gone solar. So you need to have your stories of building pain. One of my biggest things that you guys should be doing right now is learning how the grid works so you can build conviction in solar panels. This is how you build value. The grid is how old. If you're watching this right now, throw in the comments, maybe you've seen my trainings before, but how old is the grid, okay? And for you guys that don't know, go get the book, The Grid, T-H-E-G-R-I-D by Gretchen Bakey. This book is what I listen to every single day going out to turf, okay? Every single day you need to be listening to the grid so that you truly comprehend what product you're selling. The product you're selling isn't solar panels. Your product that you're selling is a solution to a problem. The problem is a grid. It's an infrastructure that's 130 years old. Thank you, Solar Mark. The grid is 130 years old and they cannot replace it. To replace the grid would cost trillions of dollars. It would be the biggest uh, build out in, in modern day history. They would have to take all those wooden poles they see around the country and bring them down. Look, there's the grid sitting out front of my window right now in my mansion here in Dallas, Texas. The grid's everywhere. For them to dig that underground would cost trillions and trillions of dollars. So. What you need to realize is anything that old requires a lot of maintenance. 
And since there's no solution to fix it, all they can do is put band-aids on it. That's why the prices for utility bills are gonna to continue to go up and up and up because there is no solution. They can't stop it. So how do they get pressure off the grid? The grid's already strained, okay? For extra credit, who knows how many grid infrastructures there are in the United States for extra credit? Who knows? How many grids? Is there just one that goes across the country? Is there separate ones? Isn't there three? Ooh. Bingo. There's three grids. There's the West Coast, there's the East Coast, and then there's the great state of Texas. So that's why when Texas froze over, it didn't affect the other grids. Rachzilla, great work. Um, Alavarales, great work. Yep, some guys that uh, were at my trainings are on the call right now, so giving you guys an extra sauce. So yeah, so there's three grids. That's why when Texas froze, it didn't mess up all the other grids. So essentially, um, what ends up happening is because this grid keeps getting older and older and older, they're going through a transition called grid hardening. So instead of building the wires underground, they're switching the wooden poles out to the metal poles. So the thing is, is those wooden poles have a life expectancy of 30 to 35 years. The average wooden pole in the United States has 33 years under its belt. So what's going to happen is slowly all of that's gonna transfer over to metal. And when the metal poles happen, switch over, they cost double what the wood would cost, okay? Now the thing is, the utility companies, do you think they're gonna take out of their, st their stock portfolio and all of their profits to pay for that metal pole grid hardening? No way. No, way. no. what are they gonna do? Charge the customers. They're gonna pass it on to the customer. Now here's the thing, here's the caveat with freaking the utility bills, okay? Right now, why can gas prices double overnight and the utility bill can't double overnight? I don't know. The reason why is because if utility bills doubled and tripled overnight, people would start rioting. People would start yeah. protesting the current government because when people's electricity bills start going from two to three, four hundred bucks a month to fifteen hundred to two thousand to three thousand and cost more than their mortgage, people shut down and they start writing. So the government knows they can't do that. Why can gasoline do that? Because the government has already put in place different options for them not to use gasoline. Different modes of transportation. There's public transportation, there's trains, there's carpooling, there's those little scooters on the road. You can scoot yourself to work. So there's all these different means of transportation. What has the government done in terms of alternative modes of energy for people's homes? Yeah, nothing. There's nothing. Sounds there's like no solution except for candles and going Amish. And with that beard of that mustache of yours, I don't want to make any Amish jokes. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> You're good. I love that. It's a painting, painting that picture for the customer, helping yeah. them get a better idea of the grid. So, so this conversation I'm having right now is the same one I'm talking to with the clients. And so as I'm explaining this and teaching them how this works, they need to understand that they have no solution to the grid. And the only solution is solar panels. Okay. So as I'm bringing this up, the urgency comes up with now saying, okay, Mr. Customer, do you know what percentage of your 
utility company gets their electricity from fossil fuels. So ask them this and do the research on your utility company. But I'm going to ask them, do you know what percentage of your fuel electricity that you get to your house comes from fossil fuels? They're going to say, I got no idea. You're going to be like, dang right. It's over 50%. 50% of the electricity that comes to your home comes from fossil fuels. Now, Mr. Customer, realizing your gas price has just doubled, do you think it's only a matter of if or when your utility bill starts to double? Oof, that's great. I love that. Boom. So with that being said, those are the lines that you bring up. Those are points. When mm. things start clicking to your client's head, they're like, dang, that makes sense. You know what? You're right. Okay. Boom. So that that talk tracks that I just did right there, those are three to five points that you can talk to your customer about and explain to them, like, this is a real deal. And your payments are going to go up. We know that inflation, the rates going up, is going to continue to go up and up and up. And our job as a professional is to reiterate that urgency to get those clients to sign today and not waste another dollar with the utility company. Mm, I love that. So that's a great way of building pain, that urgency. We talked a little bit more about also like the cigarette analogy that you were talking about earlier. That'd be great. I think that would be awesome if people could kind of hear that. So, so, so. You just heard me talk about building pain. What's up, Big Brad with Rep Card? How you doing, handsome? He just joined. Oh, the we call. love Brad, dude. Dude, Brad's, Brad's Brad just came out with this new knocking app. It is sick. So, so good. Yeah. So we're talking about now. That was some pain, right? The urgency. Now here's here's some stories that I tell to build urgency. And so as you're sitting there with the client, they need to, you can't just build so much pain without tying in a little bit of urgency. I have found if you double down on the pain, they're going to want, that's going to naturally build the urgency anyway, but you don't want to get to the end of the process and say, okay, thank you for the wonderful stories. Uh, I'll call you uh, when I'm ready. Cause what these clients don't know is that every single day that goes by their rates will change. The same rate that you tried to sell a customer on a 1.9 uh, good leap six months ago, if that client's like, hey, I'm ready for the 1.49, I would love that deal. <laughs> Sorry, boomer, can't get it. Okay, you should have done it six months ago. This is not like yep. buying a car where you go shop around all town and see who's going to have the best deals. Everyone sells the same loan products. It's all the same thing. It's just how soon are we going to get this thing done? So instinctively, you've got to let these clients know this isn't something that you can sit around and get on whenever you want. So basically, what I talk about is the cigarette analogy. And this is something that my boy MOD uh, shared with me a little while ago and I've been utilizing is back in the 70s, right? I'll ask them um, right now when you guys, uh, when the government uh, had cigarettes going crazy for a long time, if you smoke cigarettes most of your life, eventually what starts to develop? Cancer. Cancer. So when you get cancer, what happens to most people, unfortunately? You die. You die. And when you die, what can you not pay every year? Uh, my taxes and for more cigarettes. You can't pay for taxes and more cigarettes. So if you can't pay for cigarettes what is the, and taxes, what does the government not make off you anymore? Money. Money. So 
the government is actually incentivized to keep you alive longer so they can keep taxing you and make money. Taxes, correct. So what the government did is they're like, hey, these cigarettes are costing us a lot of money. We need to get people to stop smoking them because they're killing people. Okay. So what are we going to do? We're going to slap a big Surgeon General warning sign on these cigarettes. If you smoke these cigarettes, you're going to die. And when they put that on there, what ended up happening to cigarette sales? Dropped. No. Cigarette sales went up when they put Dropped. that stupid sign on there. So the government's like, bro, what do we do to get these people to freaking stop smoking? They won't listen to us. They're like, well, let's start messing with their money. Then they'll listen to us. So then they started incorporating a tax on cigarettes. You know what killed? You know what killed the cigarettes is when they went from $2 a pack to 10 to 15 bucks. People stopped smoking instantly. So when they did that tax on the cigarettes, they knew that that would slow people down. Now, based on the government wanting things to slow down by taxing them, why do you think they developed the Green New Deal? Are you familiar with what that is? Oh, what's the Green New Deal? The Green New Deal, the government, the United States is trying to go green. So they've put aside $400 billion for incentives to get people to start utilizing green products. So that's why solar has a tax credit because right now they incentivize you to go solar because it's going to solve the problem that the grid can't be replaced. So let me ask you this. And you probably can draw the correlation between the two. If the government doesn't want you to do something, what do they do? They tax you for it. Exactly. And if you do what the government wants, what do they do for you? They help you out. They reward you. So the basics of if solar is good or not goes down to the very fundamentals is follow the money. If it was bad, the government would tax you for it. If it was good, they'd incentivize it. So regardless of your stance... On solar, the government wants you to do it. And what ends up happening when you try to go against the government? They'll tax you for it. They're going to tax you. Until you learn, they're going to keep hitting you with taxes over mm. and over and over again. And what is the taxes that they're hitting you with? Is those surcharges, your electricity fees. They're going to keep going up and up and up until you get the picture and you tap out. I love that. So for you, Mr. Customer, right now, I know two, three hundred bucks a month isn't a point to where you're gonna tap out. But realistically, most people when their bills start getting to five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand bucks a month is when it's tapped out time for them. The problem is I'm so busy I can't come back here in five years and say, hey, now's the time to do it because solar goes up just like everything else. Most of my clients that are smart and putting the two and two together realize it's no longer a matter of if their payments go to 500 to 1,000 bucks a month, it's when. So yeah. now the only difference of when you're gonna get solar is time. So while I'm here, let's take time out of the equation because you already know your rates are gonna go up this much and lock your rate in now at XYZ per month 
rather than having to learn the hard way and going against the government. And that story compounding with your previous story of getting them involved with understanding the grid, how it just compounds. Why don't you talk a little bit to everyone, tell them why you kind of speak in stories when you're telling instead of just telling them like, hey, your grid needs a lot of maintenance. Why do you kind of build it as, why do you frame these points as stories instead of just telling them? Yeah, so guys, understand from the, the psychology behind that is humans for years before written dialect was done were programmed in our subconscious minds to learn most effectively from telling stories because telling is not selling if you tell somebody something they're going to resist you Mm. okay if you tell them a story from a third party they trust it so much more because it's not directed at them it's other people's um it's other people's experiences that because humans are instinctively self-serving and self-centered most of the time, they're thinking on how stories can relate to them. And then when they start having those stories relate to them, they plug the dots or they put the two and two together because it bypasses their buyer's resistance wall and goes around it. And they start making the connections themselves rather than you making the connection yourself. Or story sell. So, so we got those two stories that are really good. Are there any other stories you want to you wanna tell that helps bring that value, that brings that pain, brings that urgency that you think would be important for all the listeners to hear before we move on? Yeah. So, so stories, guys, um, is super important to tell because it bypasses your, um, you know, the, 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 the customer's uh, buyer's wall because you're not talking to them. You're talking through them through a third party. And so the keys to telling these stories is you have to create such an animated process where you're handing them slicks, you're handing them cards, like handing them these slicks. So essentially backing up your conversation with documentation. So I have, you guys have seen all my sales slicks. I've just created brand new ones. So essentially like I'm utilizing these slicks and handing them back and forth. Like if you're selling in Dallas, I hand them a Dallas morning news about talking about their electricity rates going up. So when I'm telling them these stories, they're reading the newspaper that they read every single day. And they're like, oh yeah, this is legit. And then I hand them a slick that tells them about the rates that have gone up over the last 20 years. And they're like, holy crap, all this documentation about his conversation, this is legit. So they start believing you, right? And then the way I tell my stories, I'm really animated, okay? My facial expressions, the way I'm pushing energy through my body and into the client, because you've all heard the saying, guys, sales is a transfer of energy. And so when you transfer that energy of your stories into your clients, they're gonna transfer their energy to you in the form of a checking account. Mm, It's an energetic change. So when I'm telling these stories, I'm handing slicks, I'm having them touch things, because the problem is your customers need to think about the deal. You want them to think about it while they're there. How do you get them to think? Is you create imagery in their mind by engaging in their senses, their sight, their, their hearing, their touch. So the thing is, is why I sell and my deals stick is because most clients just do the one sense, which is the ears. But if you're handing them something, they're seeing it and they're hearing it, you get three times the more effectiveness in your closing process because you're utilizing documentation along with stories. So you get three times the image being placed in people's heads. 
And so that's the big thing is when you're telling these stories, utilizing all of these things. Oh, that's gold. Yeah. People don't believe what they hear. They believe what they see. And I love how you have all these things to kind of back it up. So you guys can follow, you guys can follow his web, his uh, page. You can find all of his stuff on his Instagram account, right? There's a link on there for them to look up and buy these slicks, right? If you guys don't have the slicks or you have the old ones, shoot me a DM. These are only being offered on my tour right now. But if you guys do want some, hit me up and shoot me a DM. I'll have my team reach out and get you a set. But these things are nasty. And so, like I Let's said. Talk. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Like I said, that's the way you really engage with these clients to get them to start actively learning and listening. That's awesome. Something I really liked what you said, too, that of how you get your customers not to cancel. So hopefully everyone who's watching this is kind of seeing here at Vital. We like to do things a little bit different. That's why we host our weekly trainings here on Vital Live. Um, and something that's really cool that I think hopefully the listener are picking up is that you sell with stories. Those are sticking with people. You're building that pain and urgency in there. Something you said uh, before we jumped on here that I really liked is talking about what you do with your customers on getting them on the emoji level relationship. Yep. Can you kind of talk a little bit about there and how you kind of get to that point to build that kind of relationship to have that after you've finished the sale to solidify it? Yeah. So, so guys, here's the thing. We don't get paid for sales. We get paid for installs. We get paid for installs. So what can you do to get your installs more? What happens and why you guys are getting cancels is your client wakes up the next day and you didn't bring enough points up where they're like, okay, I got defeated. I don't care what's on there. I'm getting it. And so essentially they're going to wake up, they're going to check their email and they're going to go in and see that they just took a loan out for $70,000 to save 20 bucks a month. And the thing is, People don't buy solar because they're saving money every month. People buy solar because of the value that it provides. And if you're selling on savings, that's why you're getting cancels because you're not providing enough value because people would rather be safe than take a risk on making money, um, making money, uh, rather take a risk than making money like on a good financial decision because they have 2000 bucks in their account. Than their account. They don't have the, the luxury of being able to take risks. So if it's only saving them 20 bucks a month, that's not the point, okay? Even if you save them 100 bucks a month, it's not gonna matter, that's the point. You can keep dropping your PPW to the freaking, till you get to the bottom. It's not gonna get you more deals because you're not selling on the right thing. It's not about savings. It's, it's about, all about value. It's about the value. So what do you do? Mm. Your clients are afraid. They don't want to make the wrong decision. So what you do is at the end of the process, after you sign docs, you want to remember what the big stick up they had. They're going to have some objections that were genuinely concerned about that held them from going back to solar. And then when you're done with your process, you've seen some people tag on Instagram, basically any objection that they have that they were stuck up on, that you're concerned that they're like, well, I'm moving in three years and you're worried about that being the reason why they wake up and cancel, pull out your phones at the end of the process after you've done, you've built your rapport, you've chatted a little bit, hey, I'm gonna take off, but before I do, um, we're gonna shoot a quick testimony video. I'm gonna pull out my phone and I'm gonna put it on record and we're gonna talk a selfie. Hey, here I am with Frank. Frank just went solar, he's super excited about it. Frank was concerned about getting solar even though he's moving in three years. Frank, what's the big reason why you decided to get solar even though you're moving in three years? And I sit and I let them sell themselves on it. Mm -hmm. Then their other concern was, is the roof. 
Cool, and Frank, you also were concerned on what would happen to your roof. What was the reason why you went forward given that you were concerned with your roof? And then now Frank's going to tell me the reason why he's going forward with it. And so here's the thing. Two things are going to happen. Your clients are now going to be selling themselves on their objection or you're going to start hearing their reasons on why they're going forward with it. And if they're not solid, you know that's not getting the glass. You need to hang the phone up and then you need to reiterate what happens to help overcome that objection. So one or two things are going to happen. The clients are going to be sold and they're going to have an articulate statement to overcome that objection or they're going to be shaky about it. They're going to be shaky and you're going to tell that they don't know they're not that sold on it. And then you need to go back and start digging into it, even though docs are signed. Just because docs are signed does not mean these clients are sold. Okay, so you get that video and let's say hypothetically your customers are all in on it and they did a great testimony. What you're going to do is you're going to get that video and you're going to text it to the client. So you make sure that they get on their phone and say, okay, Frank, um, can you shoot me back a thumbs up emoji or a what's up emoji to let me know that you got that? And then you wait and then wait till he sends that emoji. Okay. Now, the reason why we're seeding this right now is I'm preparing for the email open. And so when the client then goes the next morning and opens up the email and starts crapping his pants, he's going to go to text you to say, I want to cancel. And then he has to go look at that video. And then he looks at the emoji. Now, do strangers send each other emojis? No. No, friends send each other emojis. So when he sees an emoji, emoji, an emoji, he's going to subconsciously associate you as being a friend and someone that he can trust rather than a salesman. And then he's going to open up that video and rewatch himself selling him on why he went forward with solar. Oh, that's gold. And then you also have kind of like a library collection of, of, uh, actual customers who went solar, who went over those objections. So when the next customer comes up to you and is like, Hey, X, Y, Z, you just show them that video. And you're like, yeah, actually had 10 other people have the same people, same issue. And so the thing is guys, you understand there's only five objections that you're going to get in solar. Okay. And can break down to the same biggest thing. And most of the time guys, people don't go solar because they don't trust you. And so what I do is now I have one video from this client. I take that video and I put it under favorite. All these testimony videos I'm saving under favorites, under favorites, under favorites. So when I overcome the objection, remember documentation beats conversation. So next time I have a client that I overcome their objection, I'm going to pull out my video and I'm going to say, hey, Frank had the same concern. Here's a video of Frank selling you on solar. (laughs) Let's go, the dab. (laughs) Hey. Fine. Hey, boom. Oh, this objection. Video, 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 video. Don't believe me. Check this guy out. Video, video, video. I love that. And like, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that really makes sense being able to sell themselves. And then it really comes to light when they're on camera, being able to tell them exactly if they're hundred percent going to install or if they're not, cause they'll tell you right there. Cause they're like, wow, he's recording this. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you can tell right then and there on that recording of how, how convicted and convinced they are. If they're not willing to put you on a selfie video, how sold are they? Okay, guys, we're going to open it up for uh, questions um, this last little bit. So start posting questions you have for these last five, 10 minutes we have with Danny.
But Danny, seriously, super appreciate you jumping on with us, dude. It's been amazing. We've been having these vital live, um, vital live trainings because we have such great content that we just thought we'd bring it live to help um, both recruiting and also just spreading the word because we're all on the same team here in solar anyways, and we're all just trying to do our best to, to make sure we're all together. And so it's really cool that you jumped on to drop some knowledge. But dude, of course. And so, so guys, if you liked some of this stuff, imagine two days of this, like, dude, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, man. There's never been a training like this in the solar space, the conferences, nobody's going into in-depth training like this. So I spent four or five months putting together this training material. And, you know, I, I really have been getting every event that we've gone to has been sold out. It's been fantastic. So if you are in solar, make sure that you guys are investing in yourselves and in your education. Uh, I'm in Orlando this weekend. Next weekend, I'm going to be in Denver. And then after that, Salt Lake City. You guys 100% should be there for any of those events. Shoot me out there and then uh, shoot me a message if you guys uh, you want to go. I'll take care of you. Cavalio, hey, there he is. Luis, I'll see you this weekend, bro. My man. Okay, we got one question here. But seriously, guys, hit him up on the Setter Closer Tour. Um, it's going to be awesome. So he's, you can follow him on the Danny Pessy on Instagram, but sign up for one of his tours. Also, um, we're having our Smart Money event this Thursday for Casey Baugh. Uh, he's coming to speak live right here, one of the OGs. He came and spoke what we do these events every quarter here at Vital where we have uh, an investor come in and kind of speak about how to put your money in the right place instead of just <laughs> making a lot of money and feast or famine like normal door-to-door. -door. And so join us on Thursday for that. You can follow us at Vital Tribe. Um, but your first question is we go... How do you deal with objections at the time of setting the appointment without over explaining okay. and like selling yourself out of a deal? So, so I trained on this yesterday or two days ago. I have a whole segment on setting and, and closing. So with the set, when do you handle objections? Essentially anything before a client tells you or before anything before the client knows what you're doing and why you're doing it is a smokescreen. So until they know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I will not address it. I will not address the objection because at that point, it's a concern, not an actual objection. And so if you address a concern, you turn it into an objection and then you're fighting an uphill battle. So at the beginning of your process, they come up with an objection before they even know what I'm really doing. Oh, absolutely, that's actually why I'm here. And then you dive back into it. Oh, mm. yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Like I was saying, dude, I completely understand. Like I was saying, and you dive right back into it. Then when you have objections after they know what you're doing and why you're doing it, and it becomes a serious objection, they brought it up twice. Then you handle, you have to have three ways to overcome each objection. Because people learn differently and understand things differently. So if you use the same canned over, uh, objection rebuttal every single time, then you're not going to be able to connect with as many people. So essentially, mm -hmm. I have my favorite ones that I overcome with, but then I have a secondary backup option and then a third option if they're truly not getting it. So when it comes to those objections, you got to hit them hard, bring up a good point, and you want to create enough curiosity where your appointment will sit and not give them too much information where they feel like they have all the cards and they can make the decision there without a closer. So it's a fine balance. You wanna create the curiosity by building a little bit of pain to overcome the objection. You build a little bit of pain and then you do a pullback 
and you pull back and saying, hey, obviously if you were to qualify, um, my closer would be able to get you a lot more information on that. He's super busy though, because right now we have too many people wanting to go solar and not enough closers. So the thing is, is if he is available, I can do what I can to squeeze you in. The thing is, is he's about an hour away and he only has two availabilities tomorrow between five and seven. Of those two times, which would work best for you? An option closing. That's awesome. Option close. And then say he's going to be driving an hour. So if he's coming, you got to commit to me. He's going to be here because otherwise I have to pay for his gas. <laughs> I love that. Building that pain for him, like getting him to sit. Yeah. That kind of goes along with the second question from Liam. Um, how as a setter can I help my appointments actually sit instead of just setting a bunch of appointments with bills and then they don't sit? What we talked about is the client needs to know have a big enough problem, okay? You introduce a problem right when you come to the door. You introduce the problem, which is your introduction, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's in it for them, what's in it for us. Name list, pull back, repeat. You have to repeat the process multiple times because what, what setters or people knocking instinctively do is they think just because they read the script word for word that their clients are listening. So for example, if you were to come to the door and read this out perfectly and then look up to the client and say, what do you think? Half the time they're not even listening. So the thing is you have to really repeat it multiple times because your question, your customers, if done correctly, will be like, okay, cool. What do I got to do to qualify? What's the next steps? When can he come by and take a look at things? You want to tee it up so that they're going to come by and they're going to be really excited to come by and do it. That's why when you set it up in that structure, they're going to be really, really fired up to come by and do it. I love that. Um, how do I pick the right solar company to work for in Canada? Oh my hmm. gosh. Well, that's complicated. I'd take Canada out of it and just your vibe attracts your tribe. I mean, dude, honestly, you've got to go out and test a couple people, put in a few deals at a few places, see how you like the feng shui of the meeting and see how you like the group of people. Because realistically, I've been in offices where I didn't enjoy working with any of them. And then I've been in offices where I loved working with all of them. Just because you don't enjoy working with the people doesn't give you excuse not to produce at a high level. So don't think, oh, the culture sucks, so I can't produce. Regardless of how crappy the culture is, you need to throw down no matter what. But you'll have a better time working with people that you actually enjoy working with. And so that's what I would just challenge you to is go test a couple markets. Don't ask the managers. Don't ask the top reps. Ask the middle tier guys and the top income producers because you can tell a lot about an organization by who, what their middle layer of reps say. And then also the average income earners of everybody besides the managers. If the manager's the only one making money and they've got 10 reps in the office who are broke, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. You wanna have all the homies eating good because guess what? If only the manager is gonna be making money and you join that organization, what's gonna be different? Awesome. And I'm gonna, we're, I'll post the link here with for Vital. I mean, that's part of the reason why we've moved these trainings to be Vital Live is because we know there are a lot of people curious about where to go and Vital, our whole tagline is Uncommon Energy. So we do things a little bit different here. So you're welcome to apply and we'll, we'll post that in the comments here. You can visit our Vital Tribe site though. Uh, Joey Connolly, he's one of our top earners in the company. He also asked you this, Danny, that I think is a good question. Besides the video testimonial, do you do anything else at the end of every close to tie down the deal? Yeah, I'm just saying, okay, cool. Uh, then if I feel they're kind of shaky, you straight up ask them, okay, Mike, here's what's going to end up happening. Like, 
after I leave today, we're going to be spending a lot of money on getting this process started. Just because you're not putting any money down doesn't mean we're not spending money on this project to get it started. So we really want to make sure that if we go and get this process started and spending money, that you're all in on this. Because the thing is, is obviously you're not paying for it. Guess who has to pay for this for any reason why you decide to back out? So Mike, I like you, brother, but I want to make sure that if we're going to go and start spending money on you, you're all in on this. Because the thing is, is although, like I said, you don't have to pay for it, we do. And we have a lot of clients to go to. And we want to make sure that we're investing in time into the right people. So if we were to pick you, you're 100% ready to rock and roll with this thing. Okay. Just straight up like that. Straight I love up that. like that to really get a hard thing out of them. Then the next thing is, is uh, I'd say, Mike, if my technicians were outside right now and installing the panels as we speak, would you? Would there be anything that would prevent you from going ahead and having them do that? And just silence. Just silence. If they were outside right now, ready to install, would there be any last remarks, any last words before they got started? Oh, I love that. Really push them to start. Laying out all these things that they could think of. So those are just really ways we call that shaking the tree. It's an analogy I refer to as shaking the tree is after you sell the deal, mm. you want to shake it to make sure anything drops. And when you put them in that position, they're going to be in a lot better of a spot. Okay. We got one more question that we're going to sign off before your room service comes. Uh, how do you deal with, how do you deal with people that only have negative thoughts on solar or have only heard bad testimonies about people that they've known gone solar. Got it. So I'd say absolutely. And I can understand that a lot of people have had a bad experience with going solar. Which particular situation did you hear that you had a bad experience with? And I'd wait for them to respond. I'm in a hotel. That's they're, they're well, I have like people downstairs waiting on me. Um, but basically I would ask them, okay, you had a friend who got solar. Okay, which of the five solar products did they purchase and they were unhappy with? And I'd wait. Because you understand there's five different ways to buy solar, right? And then depending on how they purchased it could be a clear indicator on their satisfaction with the process. If you don't know the five ways of solar, come to Orlando, I'll teach you. And so the five ways, then you wait and you answer. Okay, so you don't know. Okay, so that's actually the common misconception. People don't realize there's different ways to get involved with solar. And when they realize that just because one customer bought solar from one option doesn't mean the other option's actually worse. And for you particularly, what's the main reason why you hate solar? I gotta write this down. And I'll freeze and I'll look down at my iPad and I'll start writing it down. What's the reason why you hate solar? And then instinctively, subconsciously, people wanna fight you. So then instead of actually saying why they hate it, they will then starts being like, no, well, I don't actually hate it. I've just heard that. And then all of a sudden you're back on track again. Gold. Yes. Danny, thank you so much, dude. Thanks for dropping all these bombs today. Um, absolutely loved it. We're going to, once again, you guys can apply to work at Vital. Uh, James just posted the link there. We have Sensei Denny Pessy with us today. Everyone give him some love in the feed. Give him some last minute fire emojis and hearts. But uh, honestly, Danny, thank you so much, dude. And we wish you the best on your Set our closer tour. Yes, guys. Hit me up on the gram if you want to hit it. I got to get some red light therapy going on right now. So we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Appreciate it, dude.